The Deal with Yield is a podcast series covering the issues that matter most in crop production. Tune in to episodes on iTunes and thedealwithyield.com. Welcome to The Deal with Yield with our host, Joel Lipperford, Winfield United Ag Technology Applications Lead. And joining us again on the phone is Jim Hedges, a corn and soybean farmer based in central Illinois and director of insights and partnerships for Winfield United to continue our conversation today on 2018 planning. Jim, how do you go about adjusting your plan throughout the season? Yeah, so we always have a plan that we go out with, but typically, I mean, it may change even before we start planning. So if I have, let's say, on my corn populations, I may be thinking I'm going to go pretty aggressive. So right now we have no subsoil moisture at all. If we have a really dry winter, we may say we want to back that off a little bit, not be quite so aggressive. This year, where we really altered plans was probably most prevalent around our nitrogen application. So we planted in April our corn crop. Then we had a tremendous number of inches of rainfall all the way through April into about mid-May. So in my mind, in my farmer emotional heart, I knew that we had denitrified a lot because there was a lot of standing water for pretty extended periods of time. And I also knew that we probably leached quite a bit through the tiles. So in my emotional state, I was going to pull that V8 to V12 nitrogen application up to maybe V4 because I just knew that we were going to run out. That's when I sat down and had some folks help me look at that decision through a field forecasting tool. And the field forecasting tool directed me back to my original plan, which was, hold on, don't go out at V4 stay at the V8 to V12, the scenario that I ran, the ROI was incredibly high doing it that way versus pulling it up where it would have actually been a net loss. The other thing that we did that really gave me the confidence to say, yep, I'm not going to pull it up based off my 31 years of farming, I think I should, was tissue testing. So we went out and we tissue tested some fields and it showed that our nitrogen levels at V4 were really off the chart. So probably partially because of the way I place that nitrogen with the planter, I might be getting better utilization or perhaps mineralization. I'm not sure, but we were able to make a much better decision. And when we're pulling out that 225 bushel corn, we only have 165 pounds of total nitrogen applied. So that's what we try to shoot for in the budget is around a 0.7 applied to bushels produced. We don't always hit it. Sometimes it's closer to 0.9. I've been below 0.7, but not what I would say a wide-scale basis. But what's interesting is it wasn't that long ago that we were putting 1.1 pounds per bushel produced. Or we were putting on about the same amount we are now. We just weren't doing it in a way that's maximizing our yield. So that probably was one of the most impactful changes in our plan it was not changing the plan if that makes sense yeah so here's a kind of a hypothetical question for you if if every day when you woke up you had to write a number for what you think your expected yield was on that day and you did that all summer long what's the variance from the time that you plant 
to the time that you harvest, how big of a difference do you think your yield guess is or your yield goal is as you go throughout the season? You know, I've never really thought about that, but as you ask, I think what you would see is I would start out, so Mike, when we start out, we'll say our goal is 220 bushel. So think about that as a data point. As I get good emergence and it's very even, all of a sudden it's probably going to go up to 235. So now I'm going to start thinking about managing 235 versus 220, which was in the plan. I get a couple timely rains, I'm going into uh, pre-tassel. Well, now I might be up to 255. Then all of a sudden I hit pollination, it, it may get hot and dry, I might drop it back down to 235. Or if the environment continues to cooperate and the forecast is cool, good nighttime temperatures, good rainfall expected, the subsoil moisture is adequate, I might go up to 275. So I think when I look at it, Joel, I adjust it based on what the environment has either given or not given. And I think sometimes the decisions we make are we hit the brakes. So, for instance, we may not do as much nitrogen if we're in a drought situation, or we might not do as much nitrogen if we go back two years ago when we had just incredible mineralization. The environment gave me the opportunity to lower nitrogen. If I went back the year prior to that, the environment absolutely told me I need to put more nitrogen on as we pulled nitrates out. But as I think about yield, it's all what the environment has given me, what the cultural practices we've done, what are the results showing, what are my tissue tests showing. So we're constantly evaluating what's the potential. It's not the goal. I mean, it starts out as a goal, but it's what is the potential. The genetics aren't lacking. The traits that protect the genetics aren't lacking. The seed treatments aren't lacking. It's making the right decisions at the right time to grab as much of that potential and close that gap between goal and potential, I think is is really how I would describe the answer to your question. Sorry for the uh, dissertation there, but that, that was a good question. Yeah. That's, I think, how I think about it. Yeah, I think yield being dynamic is one of the things that you do a lot of planning in your operation. You try to run the numbers, you try to execute on that plan, but it seems like you're pretty reactive to it. When you think about some of the more stable nutrients, you know, you talked a lot about nitrogen and how that can vary and and be dynamic. When you look at across all your farms, do you invest in soil sampling and how do you go about making P and K adjustments as you go into a year like 2018? So I farm with another and we do our fertility a little bit differently. He does zone. It's not really grid. It's more of a zone sampling. And he does variable rate applications. I'm more on the build a really strong foundational base and then make sure you're replacing what has been taken out. And that can be either static or that can be variable rate. So for me, having the right macros in the right ratio is, is pretty critical. And that's table stakes. If you don't have that done, all these other things that I'm talking about probably are going to have, I don't say minimal impact, but they're not going to have the type of ROI impact that we're looking at. So a little bit different approach between the two of us, but having the base well-defined, understanding that I have to have that done or the rest of the system's approach isn't going to work. You know, I think back to uh, one of my uh, 
former mentors would always talk about, uh, you know, having low fertility doesn't allow you to take a year off if the commodity prices of fertilizer don't match up with commodity prices of grain. And it sounds like, you know, your strategy to keep your farms built and not make it a limiting factor is excellent. But certainly the farms that are out there that have low testing soil, it makes 2018 a tough year to vie for which inputs. It, it really does. And I think back in 2012, some of the years 2012 and prior, we were really dry through this area. In 2012, my corn crop averaged about, I think, 100 bushel. Several years ago, we had a farm average around 270. So the old, I'm going to put 200 pounds of DAP and 200 pounds, uh, you know, 200, 200, uh, that's not going to work. And because I'm, re- I'm pulling out a whole lot more than that. So that was uh, interesting, as I can remember explaining that. My mom is one of my landlords, and she was wondering why my fertility bill was so high. And I told her, it's because your revenue is so high. We're pulling a lot of bushels off that field, and you got to replenish the bank. So that's why I'm really big on not really feeding the crop that's coming. If I've got the right fertility build up, I just need to replace that fertility so my bank account is always full. I'm not saying that's right, Joel, but that's kind of how I think about it. Do you, do you find her to be one of your more challenging landlords to get into uh, your compliance? <laughs> well, she's, you know where I got it from, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and uh, when I was a kid, she used to run the combine. So, I mean, it's not like uh, she doesn't know how to farm. So, Jim, as you think about the upcoming crop year, how do you go about making the decision to abandon a, a particular crop input or resource when it comes to decision time? I think too often, at least on my operation, we have either abandoned or not made decisions when we probably should have just because we didn't have enough knowledge or enough information. So, for instance, this year, fungicide applications. It's extremely dry. There's not that much disease showing up. So the temptation to pull off was really great. That's where having the ability to understand response to scores is really important. So if I have a hybrid that I'm not sure has a high response to score, then I'm probably going to abandon that fungicide application. And on the hybrids that we didn't understand response to scores, that's exactly what we did, or we only sprayed half the field. Because I just didn't know. Now, if I know and I have that knowledge that I'm probably going to get at least a break-even ROI, then I'm going to go with that decision. So really, this year, and when I think about next year, I'm going to use the global satellite imagery. I'm going to use the field monitoring tool to really look closely, and I'm going to look at the weather and what is the forecasted weather to either put the foot on the brake and pull out of some of those decisions or say, no, I need to go forward. A great example of that from this past year was a soybean field that I used a variable rate soybean planting population. It's pretty tough soils. I mean, they dry out pretty quickly. And the satellite imagery was showing the field trending as my lowest soybean field. So I naturally knew there's no way I'm going to invest in fungicide. I went out and I scouted the field because I wanted to see why it looked so bad. I thought I knew. Well, there was also disease present in the field. So now all of a sudden, 
instead of just abandoning, now I've completely changed the direction I'm going to go because I've looked at it. My gosh, I've got some, some disease out here showing up awful early. I need to do an application. I wonder what else is going on. So we did uh, tissue sampling, and we found that we had some deficiencies there, too. So the technology and the ability to have that type of information and that clarity around decision-making is really important, both in making the decision and in not making the decision. Because I always think about every dollar I spend. I mean, that's going to affect my wealth, right? And I've got two kids in college right now. I mean, I mean, I need to make the tuition payments. So I think that's why it's so easy for myself as a farmer to say, you know what, I'm not going to spend that money on that application, when in fact, by not spending the money on an application, it could be the most expensive decision I make or one of the most expensive decisions I make on the farm. I think abandoning a planned input decision for us, it's not ever going to be farm-wide. It's going to be field by field based off the knowledge, the information that we have about that crop, about the environment, and about the field and what that field can do and can't do. Yeah, I think that's some really, really good sage advice on how to think about developing and bringing that plan all the way to the cropping season. You've been listening to The Deal with Yield with Joel Whipperfer, the Winfield United Ag Technology Application Lead. And joining us today was Jim Hedges, corn and soybean farmer in central Illinois and director of insights and partnerships for Winfield United. For additional episodes of The Deal with Yield, visit iTunes and thedealwithyield.com. 